You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Reaching a city can change the world. How can that come about? Learn more in our mission series, Uncharted, in this message by Pastor Sol Huang. Okay, discover where the gospel is going today. Welcome to our new series called Uncharted. Okay, I'm excited to, uh, to really start up this series because it's about missions. Okay? Um, our team uh, just came from a mission trip to Medan. I don't know if you know where Medan is. Uh, some of our team members went to Cambodia. There are two teams that were sent. Um, I think I see some, a few of you who are from the other team, Team Cambodia. Can you lift up your hand? I think John, there we go. Can you give them a big hand? Yon. Our, well, our team went to Medan. And uh, it's the first time I heard of Medan. I thought it was in Saudi Arabia. It was in Indonesia. This is the city of Medan. Okay? The city of Medan is actually the third largest city in Indonesia. And Indonesia happens to be uh, the largest Muslim nation in the whole world. Okay? So it's quite interesting what we're doing. And hopefully tonight, our heart is this. Okay? At the end of the series, all of us could understand the strategic value of reaching these cities or these cities and empowering local leaders to help reach and disciple their cities, nations, and the rest of the world. That's our hope in our, in our two weeks with you. Amen? So I hope you're ready. Yeah. All right, stand with me. Open your Bibles. Let's turn to Acts chapter 14, starting from verse 21, going to 26. Let's all stand in reverence to the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, you could... Read with me through our screen, okay, starting in verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and uh, to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. In verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the scripture. Thank you for this word. Lord, we only ask, God, that you will reveal your heart for the nations, the heart for people, Lord God, for the gospel to grow. Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come and advance. Lord, open our hearts and our minds. And Holy Spirit, let every word that will come out from my mouth come from you and the heart of God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'll sit down. All right. Okay. You know, we're talking about um, uh, the series Uncharted. Our very first preaching title here is this, The Lost Cities. Okay. I have a, a just a, I'm just curious, okay. I'm a guy that's not from Metro Manila. I grew up in the northern part of Luzon that's in Baguio City. Okay. So, I migrated here for the reason of because I'm raising my family here in Manila, okay? But I'm just wondering, out of the crowd, out of our congregation, how many of you 
are really not from Metro Manila, but you came from all the provinces and you just migrated here or you migrated here or your family migrated here. How many of you are from the provinces? Come on. Come on, I just want to see. I'm just curious. That's okay. No wrong right answers. Wait, this morning it was about this much as well. It's about around 60. Thank you. You can bring it down 60% this morning. 5 o'clock it was about 30%. Now it's about 50%. Okay. Cities, you know. The, the reality is a lot of people are moving to the cities. Okay. And if you are, if you will be asked, where do you want to spend your life? Or where do you want to migrate? You'd probably look for the best city in the world, right? Right? Okay, so... So, I took the liberty today <laughs> in looking at the 10 or the top 10 cities in the world, okay? So, I'm, I'm doing you a favor today so that if you're planning to migrate sometime soon, okay, you can actually look at the top 10. In other words, the world's 10 best cities to live in. This is according to the Economist Intelligence Unit Global Livability Study. I'll give you number 10 and I hope you could guess. Can you guess where this is? Okay, this is in Auckland, New Zealand. Okay, it has a rating of 95.7 out of 100. Uh-huh. Okay, how about this? Number nine. Do you know where this is? It is in Perth, Australia. Okay, it garnered a 95.9. Okay. Now, if you are the type of person that don't want the hot weather, this is the place for you. This is number eight. Mm. <sighs> this place is where? Finland. That's right, in Helsinki. Okay, it's 96. Helsinki. Cool. Next up, top seven. Where is this place? Sydney, where you can find Nemo, right? Okay. All right, this is 96.1 in the grade. Oh, how about this one? How about this one? Huh? Can you guess where the place is? This is in Adelaide, Australia as well. Okay, it garnered in 96.6. Okay. How about this? Number five. Where? Calgary. Great job. Dapat may price tayo dito, no? Garnered in 96.6. Okay, great, great. How about this one? Number four on our list. Where? Toronto? You're correct, sir. Okay, this is my favorite place among all, okay? Can you imagine it? You park your yacht, your speedboat, Knox, the rich and famous, all right? Where do you think this is? Vancouver. Oh, my goodness. Did you, did you look at my notes? No. <laughs> All right, Vancouver, Canada, that's right, number three in the list of the world's best cities, 97.3 in its grade. And then number two, whoop, Vienna, where they make those sausages, right? Okay, <laughs> no, no, Vienna, okay, ranks number two. And lastly, number one in the world's best cities is this one. Where? I heard it. Melbourne, Australia. Okay? Wow. Nakakahalata na ako. Mukhang taga-Australia yung gumawa ng study nito. Nonetheless, the big question is, why the cities? You ever wonder why? Okay? Well, maybe because of this thing called 
urbanization. Diba? When we talk about urbanization, it's about in the industrial revolution, right? Technological progress. What else? Transportation communication. And we have, of course, world commerce. Now, in the last 200 years, these have all contributed pushing people from the countryside to the city. Progress. Remember that word? Progress. When a city is progressing, people are just attracted to it because a lot of things are happening. In fact, let me show you some statistics. In, 19, in the 1900s, 15% of the world's population lived in cities. Only 15%. Okay? So if you were born in the 50s, 60s, and below, you probably were in the provinces and you didn't care about much of the city. Okay? But up recently in 2007, what happened was that over 50%, according to United Nations, over 50% of the world's population now live in cities. In fact, also, by the middle of the 20th century, the U.S. and Japan made a, a, a new urban phenomenon called the mega cities. You've heard of the mega cities? Mega cities, that means it's over 10 million people. And this is quite interesting. By the year 2025, seven of the world's top 10 mega cities will be where? In Asia. So don't go to Europe, okay? <laughs> you don't have to go to Finland. It's going to be here, okay? There's something about the cities. And that's why we're so excited. Our missions department quoted this. They said that the explosive growth of the cities in the last century provides the gospel with one of its most strategic and significant mission fields in history. We are standing right smack, okay? At, at this time, we, we can witness what the gospel will do in the cities. In fact, they said that the combination of population, technology, and the spiritual need makes it possible to reach the world by reaching the city. That's why it's quite interesting. We live in this day and age where, where infrastructure, the growth, the progress is happening, and the gospel is also growing in these places. But that was not... You know, that's not a new era, you know, technology or strategy in mission. But Paul, way back from what we've read, Paul has been doing this even at the beginning. Okay? We're going to dive in today into the book of Acts and understand what Paul did in reaching these nations. All right? Paul's mission was really taking the cities. Okay? And we're going to learn and understand how he did it. Or, you know, at least have a heart for the missions or for the nations. Let me show you. Okay, the first one is the mission strategy. In Acts chapter 14, verse 21, can we all read this together? When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. You know, Paul was very deliberate he was very strategic in, in preaching the gospel. Okay? His strategy was very simple. He would preach the gospel. That's it. Now, why would a man like him preach the gospel? If you look back in the early chapters of Acts and see how Paul was converted to Paul, from Saul to Paul, not Saul, okay? I'm Saul, S-O-L, all right? Saul to Paul. If you look at his life before, he used to persecute Christians. In fact, 
He gave the go signal for Stephen to be stoned and killed. That's his life. But on his road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You all remember this, right? And, you know, Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But at that time, something happened. There was a new Saul that came. His eyes were opened. Of course, God blinded him, and then somebody prayed for him, and the, the blindness was, was gone. But the reality was Saul's conversion. When he met Jesus Christ and saw the power of the gospel, the power of the grace and mercy of God over his life, everything changed. This man, you know, in my early, my early um, years as a Christian, the very first books that I read was in the book of Acts. And I was so blessed as reading the life of Paul. Because the life of Paul is similar to our lives. We were once as wicked as Paul. But yet because of the gospel, it changed his life. But this man didn't stop from being changed. He wanted to share the gospel all throughout the whole world. In fact, if you look at his life, Paul, he was able to plant seven churches in a period of one year. Our missions department would plant every two years. But Paul, to this day, he holds the record. Okay? So Paul was very deliberate. He went to the city and his mission strategy was very simple. He just preached the gospel. Okay? He went there, and the first thing that he would look for is the synagogue. He'd go to the Jews. In other words, he went to, to, to places where people already believed God. It's very strategic. We went to Medan. Okay? We, have a, we know it's a Muslim nation, but there are also Catholics, there are Protestants, there are also Hindus. And while we were there, uh, Pastor Carlo was saying, you know, we've got to change plan. You know, we just don't just talk to Muslims. No, go, go talk to the Catholics. Go talk to the Protestants. Why? Because they're the first ones who know about God. And Paul's idea was that. He went to a city, went to the synagogue, and preached the gospel to the Jews. And it's really quite simple. But whenever the Jews would reject the gospel, this is where Paul would go to a different strategy. This time, he'd go to the Gentiles. He'd go to the homes, to the household. He'd go to um, the public places, the lecture halls. That's where he'd preach the gospel. And that's the strategy. Preach the gospel. Can you say that with me? Preach the gospel. And his second strategy was just this. Plant churches. <laughs> As I was saying, in a period of one year, Paul's first missionary expedition, okay, his journey, gave, uh, was he was able to plant seven churches. Now, understand that these were key cities. Why do I say cities again? Now, we all know about progress or what we call the boom. Okay? May market boom. If, if you're a businessman and they say, you know, let's go build a business here at the south because it's booming here. You all know that? Right? That means there's progress here. But with the boom and the progress comes also the boom and the progress of sin. We've heard that you go to, we've heard about the sin city. You remember that? Okay? And to top the list is Las Vegas, right? It's a sin city. We were there a year ago and my son told me, you know, Dad, I just don't want to go out anymore. Can I just stay in the room? 
So why? I don't, I, just, I just don't want to go. It's just, he kind of, you know, he felt so oppressed because of the spirit of sin that was going around Las Vegas. I mean, casinos were there. I had my baby with me. We, we entered our hotel lobby. I mean, the hotel lobby was filled with smoke. I mean, it's not, it's not good for children to be there. But yet, casinos are there. Prostitution is there. These are all part of the progress of the cities. But Paul thought of the best plan is to plant a church in a dark city. Why? Because it is the church where the light of the gospel will start. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, remember this, when, when sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Grace abounds even more in these dark places. Paul's, you know, Paul's strategy was simple. Preach the gospel, plant churches. Because if we have a community of believers like this, okay, guess what? The light of the gospel will expand. In Muntinlupa, where we are right now, the light of the gospel is expanding. Amen. And you will see that, you may be not see, seeing it physically, but in the spiritual side, when a congregation comes together and worships God, the power of the gospel will expand. It's not seen the physical, but there is something happening in the spiritual. Let me show you a picture of what it's like in Medan, where we came from. Okay? This is the picture of the church in Medan. This is our Sunday service, the first Sunday service that I attended. Okay? There's no band. There's no lights. Oh, there are lights, but it was just a group. Okay? It was a small group. Now, think with me for a while. For three years, our church in Medan would just meet in this place and, and have life groups or what we call victory groups in our, in our context. Pastor Carlos said, you know, it's time to switch gears. Three years is enough. We need now to have a worship service. So, finally, we get to have the privilege and the honor to start the first worship service in Medan. And this is what happened. We started to prepare. Okay, this was me fixing the sound system. It was very hot. I had someone, you know, fan me out or else I'm gonna... Anyway, we were busy fixing this. We, we rented a small restaurant cafe. We placed the tables, uh, the, the tables away. We just put the chairs there and we had uh, all the team, 15 of us doing all the work. And one of our church members, uh, this is Jo Chris, she led worship. This is for the first time. Okay, I hope Jo you're here. Sometime, somewhere, wherever you are. Okay, what was your blessing? But this is the, you know, the, the best thing of all. We had 55 people attend the church service, the very first worship service in Medan. It's very key. We said enough is enough. We can do small groups on the weekdays. But let's do a worship service on a Sunday. We want Medan to know that there is a church of every nation called MSI, Morning Star International, in Medan, starting our services there every Sunday. Today is their second day. Okay? Today is their second day. And, you know, it's just amazing because we have um, the people that we were reaching out are now attending that church. Okay? Just, just one side story, okay? 
um, in our visit there, there was one particular student and uh, we had, or I had a chance to, to speak with him and share the gospel to him. And as I was sharing the gospel with everything that I've got, I said, but only one thing you lack. I said, you need to believe. So I stopped there. So I, I left him alone. So after two days, he went to one of our team members and said, how can I receive Jesus Christ? So he did. He converted to Christianity. And today as we speak, okay, in Facebook, he attended the first service, his first worship service in Medan. Praise God. Amen? Amazing. So, so Paul's mission strategy was simple. He preached the gospel first to the people that know, knew God and to the people who didn't know God. And then second of all, he planted churches. He made sure that you know, this church will thrive. But a church will not thrive without leaders. So he prepared leaders. Okay? If you look at Acts um, 14 verse 23, it says here in our, in our main scripture, and when they had appointed, what? Elders, meaning leaders, for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So see, Paul was very strategic in everything that he would do. He, he preached the gospel, he planted the church, but he made sure that there is someone leading that church. In fact, today in Medan, we have our senior pastor. He is an, a local Indonesian, and he's the one leading our church now in Medan. Okay? And this is a picture of our 13 disciples, okay? 13 leaders in Medan. For the very first time, again, this was our Making Disciples class. We were training 13 leaders, just enough to impact the whole of Medan. Now, you understand that there were 12 disciples, right? 12 disciples of Jesus, and look where Christianity is now because of this 12. You see the picture? So going back, you look at Paul's mission strategy, very simple. He preached the gospel, he planted churches, and he prepared the leaders. That was his strategy. It did not change even today. That's what we're doing. But there is a cost to it. Amen. There is a mission cost. Okay? Let's look at you know, let's look at uh, Acts 14. See, reaching the cities will cost us. There is always a price to pay. For Paul, this is what happened. He said in Acts uh, 14, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through what? Many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Question, how many of you are ready for tribulations? I think uh, how many of you are ready for trials come on come on the brave there is a cost okay when Paul after after reaching Derbe and he went back to the cities where they preached the gospel guess what happened there were persecutions okay but despite the great persecution that they experienced Paul said you know we went back to what? Strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them. You know what I realized? This is a picture of our missions people or our full-time missionaries in Medan. The four of them. Three of them work in a school. In order for them to get a visa, they would have to work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
And after 5 p.m., they go minister. So it's quite difficult. I mean, if, if, if only our full-time missionaries didn't have to work a second job to do the work that God called them to do. But then again, we were there to strengthen them, encourage them. In fact, if there's anything that I ever did there was to speak faith and encouragement to them, but there is a cost. Mission has a cost, and there will be persecution. Let me just um, share to you some of the recorded uh, stories of Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, he said that persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? He said that the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Isn't that amazing? And in Acts Chapter 13, okay, chapter before that. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. In 1997, our Every Nation Church planted, um, our Every Nation uh, Missions Department planted a church in one of the key major cities in China, okay? Today, it is considered to be one of the fastest growing church in China. Over a thousand members are attending that church. But our pastors, our leaders, our missionaries, okay, they had to pay a price. At the beginning of our mission trip in China, guess what? They were monitored, raided by police, Chinese police, okay, for preaching the gospel. And in fact, one of our, one of our pastors had to move from one city to another just to avoid the arrest. And our short-term missioners, guess what? They were blacklisted. They couldn't enter China anymore. Okay? I mean, if it was happening before, it's still happening today. There will be persecutions. Acts 14, verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch in Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned people, uh, Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. And it happened to us. In one uh, most radical Muslim nation, two of our pastors okay, were, were arrested. They were put into prison. And guess what? They were sentenced to death. So after getting all the text messages, thing, we, we, we did this in our every nation uh, family. We prayed. Everybody, the church prayed. We fasted. We prayed for them. But several months later, they were released from prison. You see, God takes care of His people. Amen? That's an amazing thing. Hey? Okay? Believe me, God, God does not sleep. Amen? God's not that. Okay? Amen. Amen. Okay. The next mission cause is really prayer and fasting. Now understand, it will take a lot of prayer and fasting. Okay? In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, okay, it says here, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with what? Prayer and fasting. You know, we need to acknowledge the, uh, the help of the Holy Spirit okay? or else all the things that we do for missions will be in vain. Okay? Let me tell you a story. Okay? This was when my wife and I had a chance to lead a mission group in China. It was a Sunday just like this in the afternoon. We, we had a Sunday service Okay, guess where? At the People's Park in a communist country. 
we were at the People's Park, we were worshiping God, and there were a bunch of 50-plus people there gathered together, and I was preaching the gospel to them. And guess what? Ten of them rose up to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was just an amazing sight. I was so excited. First time. It's my first time. It's like, wow. Yes, Lord. It was Jesus. It was, the, it was the Holy Spirit. So we were there, so excited, led them to a sinner's prayer. I had a translator with me. She was really good. Whatever, whatever facial expression I did, she also did. You know? Whatever I said, she'd always do that. And, you know, they were, they were cut to the heart. They were accepting Jesus. I was just praying, and then suddenly somebody was waving a small piece of note. So when I opened my eyes, it says, Ed now, police here. <laughs> I said, whoa. But you know what? God is good. Somehow, people were praying for us. Um, the, uh, our team members were praying behind us. Our pastors were praying. But also the, the, church, uh, the church here in the Philippines, they were also praying. And somehow, it, the, the police said just one word. No, I mean, two words. No preaching. That's it. And then he left. And he said, Phew. so we dispersed. But the students kept on worshiping God. Okay? They couldn't stop. They would still get their guitars and they'd still worship. And all our pastors were saying, shh. But, you know, it was an amazing time. What an experience. But we can only do that because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God was there in all, of, uh, all the things that we, we did. Now, understand, when you talk about the strategy of Paul, okay, and the cost of, of the missions, of the gospel, understand that there is an impact, a mission impact, okay? It did not end there. For Paul, you know, the city was the breeding ground for evangelism and church planting. It was a natural and strategic point, basically, to reaching the other provinces. Kind of like, uh, kind of like our situation, Okay? Do you know that in 1984, a group of missionaries came? Okay, they planted a church in U-Belt. And uh, my, our friend Conrad, who's here, is part of that first fruit. Okay? Their, their first fruit. Okay? Conrad, can you just stand up? Just wave. Uh, yan, yan. Veterano na yan dito. Yan. But because of that, they were able to reach students who were from a province in uh, Dagupan. Right? In Pangasinan. Okay? And out of Pangasinan, another church was birthed in Tugegarao. Okay? And after Tugegarao, there was Baguio City. After Baguio City, to now, there are now 15 churches meeting here in Metro Manila. And all over the, all over the nation, we have over 60 churches planted already. Can you just imagine the impact of the gospel that was preached in the city? Okay? Let me read to you something from... Acts, again, from our scripture, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Ataleia. Okay? And the impact of the gospel, okay, went there. From, from there, they sailed to Antioch. Now, let's pause there for a while. In Antioch, this became the first ever Gentile community church. Now, we are a Gentile community church, meaning we're not Jews, okay? But because of that, the impact was amazing. The very first church that was established in the whole human history was in Antioch. And from there, Christianity spread. Where we are right now, we are Gentiles. 
So the 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 our our if you trace your your line, it's going to be in Antioch, where the first non-Jewish church was established. What an impact! In fact, in that city, the the Bible says in in Acts thirteen that the whole city heard the gospel and it spread to the other provinces. That's why it's really an amazing thing when the gospel is being spread through just one entry point, which was a city, right? And it spread to the different cities as well. Okay? Not only that, not only that. In fact, if you look at, if you look at uh, um, Acts 13, you see that Paul and Barnabas also was impacted by the, by the move of the Holy Spirit because they moved in signs and wonders. Okay? Hey, let me show you a picture. Okay? This is from, um, again, in our Medan trip. We met this guy, very friendly guy. We, we talked to him in, in this engagement conversation. Finally, he said, why don't you come to my house? I'm asking my mother to cook for us. And what an honor. I said, sure, we'll go. Okay? At first, it was just me. I said, can I bring my friend? Because I'm just going to be with you. I'm just going to be It's going to be difficult. Not only the two of us, actually we were three. Okay? But here's the thing. We went to his house, small house, we had dinner, and we met the father. The father is the one um, next to him. Okay? This, this, uh, his father was, had a, a challenge with his health. He had diabetes, and his eyes is kind of blurred already. He could not even recognize you from three feet. He was becoming blind. We, we, we spoke to the son, said, you know, my father has diabetes. Ah, so we so we gave our you know our suggestions you know take ampalaya okra but but at the end of the day I said can we just pray for your father the, the Bible says just to lay hands right so I laid hands on his eyes and I said in the name of Jesus we ask God you heal the, this eyes in the name of Jesus be be healed and you know after that prayer guess what happened his eyes cleared he can actually see us three four feet. But not 10 feet, though. But at least 3 feet, 4 feet. I said, you know, praise God. Come on. Let's just give God a big hand for that. The impact of the gospel. Reaching the lost people, even through signs and wonders. Let's go to Acts 27, uh, 14, verse 27 to 28. This is the last leg of our scripture. Okay? In verse 27, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, just like what we're doing today, this is what they said. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. You know, while the book of Acts revolves really primarily in the, in the conversion of Paul, the, the missionary journey, we need to realize that the book of Acts really is a story about the hand of God, the Holy Spirit. He is the true main character guiding every step of Paul in his mission work. So you, you see, we can be, I'm telling you all the stories that happened in Medan and in our other mission trip, but the reality is we wouldn't have not done what we did if not for the Holy Spirit. My main point is this. Mission is really both the divine and human effort. You see, it is God who wills it, and if it's God who wills it, it is man who will do it. Amen? And that's us. You know, a, a banner, way back in 1984, I don't know if you remember this, Conrad, 
this was very much significant in your day and age before, long time ago, 1984, class of 1984, okay? The banner says, reaching a city to change the world. Do you realize that today, we, we are enjoying our worship service. We are here together. We're listening. We're singing together, laughing together. And all of these things that we're doing today is because of these two people. They were students way back in 1984. Pastor Steve Merle and Pastor Rice Brooks and a group of missionary students in America decided to come to the Philippines and obscure in an obscure city called the Philippines in 1984 when the revolution was happening when Ninoy Aquino was assassinated. They came right smack at the center of the typhoon. They gave their lives to the missions. Were they persecuted? Yes. When we stand here today, we enjoy everything we're doing today. Because these two people reached out to a group of students in this city called Metro Manila. And where we are right now, it's just an amazing thing. Fifteen churches meet in Metro Manila, over 60 churches around this country. And we are reaching Asia and the whole world. we have been entrusted with the same mission we just can't stop here Jesus said in Matthew 28 18 go and make disciples of all nations it does not end here my encouragement tonight is that all of us will realize that there are 80,000 people who die every single day without knowing Jesus Christ it's a good thing that we are blessed to have heard the gospel. We could worship God. We have Jesus in our lives. What about the 80,000 who don't hear Jesus, who don't know Jesus Christ? We've been mandated, commanded by our Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We hope you were inspired by that message. Don't forget to get your copy of Victory Worship's first live album entitled Radical Love on iTunes and CD format. For more updates, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And download the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.